Hello all and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched a lot of wrestling, nor I must confess, have I watched any Naked Gun movies. Hmm. Surely, David, you can't be serious. I, I, I unfortunately am serious, dear, dear podcast co-host and dear viewer. You did. You, you missed it. I, I laid it up for you. Oh, you the don't no, call me no, Shirley. No, 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 Shirley. No. What a great start. I, I've been thinking about how to throw that in there for days, and no. then there it goes. <laughs> anyway, today's episode. <laughs> We're going to be watching uh, Sunday Night Slam from August 21st, 1994. We're back in the new generation era. And if you're wondering why the first minute of this podcast was was like Leslie Nielsen jokes, the answer is because to call back to our Undertaker versus Undertaker thing, you know, the mystery of the two Undertakers. And, they, and, and WWF asked us, who could possibly solve this mystery? And they found a man. Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Oh my god. Leslie Nielsen from the Naked Gun movie. So, is it Leslie Nielsen or is it Lieutenant Frank Drebin? They call him Frank Drebin. Oh my god, of course they do. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> but it's... You know what? I almost... I, I haven't seen the episode yet, obviously. I already almost feel like it'd be funnier... If it was if it just like was Leslie Nielsen and he's like, you guys know I'm not a real detective, right? And they're like, ah, it's fine. That would actually be really funny. But no, they play the they play it completely straight that like he's a real detective and he's going to solve this case. Of course they do. It's the mid 90s and it's WWF. N- that combination of things does not yield nearly enough cleverness to do such a funny thing. Which is which is funny because ha- I watched the Naked Gun in preparation for this episode, along with our usual preparations. Uh-huh. So here's a brief history on the Naked Gun. <laughs> <laughs> so the Naked Gun movies are actually a kind of a spinoff of a canceled, uh, short-lived TV series, Police Squad. And so Police Squad was originally like an ABC comedy. Same setup and everything. Uh, But it got canceled after four episodes. They ended up airing two extras. And here, this is the funniest reason I've ever heard for a show getting canceled. Is ABC felt that Police Squad required the viewers to pay too much attention. Basically, the idea was is in Police Squad. It wasn't. It's not like a lot of. It's first of all, Police Squad. I should say is is a parody of police procedurals, and the yeah. joke is that Lieutenant Frank Drebin is a complete and utter idiot who only accidentally ever solves anything. <laughs> but anyway, he they ABC felt that like Police Squad wasn't a procedural. It wasn't like every episode was self contained. They had linear plot elements across episodes, and like episodes plot like that and as well as jokes required the viewer to like pay attention to the show and remember what happened in prior episodes wait the show got canceled for being serialized yes the show got canceled for being serialized can somebody please explain to me how they felt that they felt that the viewers just it would be better to have shows that don't require as much attention span on a weekly basis. 
This is, I was like, this is the f- most poorly aged thing of 1982 television. That it's is like, this is, this is too serialized. No one's going to want to watch a comedy where the jokes carry over across episodes. Who would want to watch that? I mean, to be fair, comedy serialization is a tough thing to do, as I have learned the hard way by um, other TV shows I watch attempting such a thing. I mean, I agree, it is. But it's just so funny that, like, we get show, we get, there are so many shows now, comedies now, that are, yeah. have serialized humor, that it's really funny that they were like, in 82, they were like, nah, man, this is too, this is too serialized. Well, the, the, and I imagine, too, it. like, I, I imagine, too, like, if they were saying the jokes also required you to pay too much attention, it was probably, like, almost like a Mel Brooksian style of comedy where, like, it was just joke after joke. And I wouldn't be surprised the network is like, no, make it, it dumber. A, I don't, I've not, I didn't watch any police squad, but that is also part of what they said it was. It was, it was just, the jokes were too rapid fire, man. Oh my God. Oh, that makes me so angry. Okay. But anyway, they canceled the show, but they end up making a movie about the naked gun movies and that were hugely successful of the same premise. And I watched the first one. It's hysterical. Um, you know, a lot, some of the raunchy jokes weren't for me, uh, but that's just, but I gotta say, uh, the jokes about police stuff and pair and like tropes of police squad work were his were amazing. There was a joke where he goes down to the, he's like talking to the, to a, to a guy, to an informant to try to get him to say something. He does the thing where he's like, where the informant's like, I don't know if I know anything. And he pulls out a 20 and he's like, ah, do you know something now? That kind of gag. But oh, then, yeah. yeah, he does that. But then the informant's like, why do you want to know? And Drebin goes, I don't know if I want to say. And he pulls out the exact same 20 and gives it back to him. And they go back and forth with the 20 on like this. For That's minutes. good. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I've a- heard the first one is really, really good. Yeah, this is technically a tie into the third one in that the third one came out in March 1994. <laughs> so right on really culturally relevant is this reference. Oh, God. But yeah, so that is the the set is is the is the reoccurring uh, kind of the a plot of this of this special that we're going to be watching tonight. That is a special two hour episode. Oh, fancy man! Imagine when it used to be special when their episodes were two hours long. Pepper yeah. Farm remembers. I yeah, Pepper Farm remembers, but. Yeah, so the A plot, they're going to read, they do, they filmed a bunch of skits of, of Leslie Nielsen doing detective stuff, find, looking to find these, figure out the truth behind the two Undertakers situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of course, of course. They aired some of these on TV, so, and I didn't even realize that this was the same skits until a couple of them in, and then I was like, I'm skipping these, I'm say, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm saving this. Oh, God. I don't want to know all the jokes before they. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're going to be real bangers. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess kind of the the story. It's been about a month and a half of Monday Night Raw since we were last here. All right. So what has been going on is um, the Undertaker v Undertaker plot not gone anywhere same spot as it was a month and a half ago yeah i was gonna say from the way you indicated to me last time we were here um it's a whole lot of nothing it is we almost had a something i'm gonna be honest is in the last episode of raw i watched paul bear and and um 
and uh, Ted DiBiase have a spat on the Kings court over oh. this. And it ends, and like fake Undertaker actually like starts choking out Paul Bearer. Hmm. But then, and I, it's funny because we I, I re-listened to our episode about this before this week. And so we had talked about the reveal moment. I thought we were going to get a reveal moment. Yeah. Because the lights, he's getting choked by Paul Bear. The lights go down. And they're hinting that, oh my God, the Undertaker, the other Undertaker is here. But then he doesn't show up. They... They it, it, they lights come back up. Paul Bearer is out of the ring, perfectly fine now, yelling that oh my Undertaker is here. Even though again he doesn't <laughs> yeah. appear. Yeah. And DiBiase and Underfaker just like, huh? what's going on? Like that is literally the the segment. I'm like, were oh they, my god. <laughs> were they trying to make every worst decision possible? Like the level of dumb here is insane. No, it's such, it was such a layup of a segment, and they still don't really get it right because we don't even see the actual Undertaker. How do you mess that up? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I don't get it either. I'm, I was just baffled watching it because I was like, oh my God, is something happening that I didn't think was going to happen? Is something happening? No, never Did mind. Did the writer's brains collectively short circuit halfway through writing that <laughs> bit? Because it's such an obvious yeah. setup. You know if the lights go down, what happens next? Why aren't yeah. we doing that? Yeah, I know. I don't, I have no understanding of what's going on here with that. But yeah, that happened. Uh, Bret Hart and Owen Hart is also in kind of a, this, this is just the way this works at this point in time in that um, at this point in time, you know, once they set up the match, then they don't really try very hard to move things forward. <laughs> like Bret and Owen's been in the places for months. So like, there's not really a lot going on here in terms of like further plot progression. Um, most interesting thing is they had a bit is they're, they're really trying to sell the idea that like the family is getting torn apart by this. Has the family not been in the process of getting torn apart over the last, however the fuck long they've been feuding? Yes, but they're bringing it back again. Oh, uh, I see. I don't get it. No, <laughs> we get, we, we got a segment of, of the King's court where the, where the, uh, the only place where plot progression happens on these shows is Jerry. God damn it, Lawler. <laughs> yeah. So they get, you got Owen Hart and Jim and Jim Neidhart, you know, mugging for the care, like kind of mean mugging around. He actually tries to try to play this off. Like Brett is the black sheep of the family here that they're all behind Owen. But don't worry, Bruce Hart is here to 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 disavow that notion. Oops. Yeah, uh, Brad and Owen aren't the only wrestling brothers in the Hart family. All of them became wrestlers. Wait, oh, but, I forgot about this. But Brad and Owen are the only two that are any good. So they're the only ones who kept wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But they like to throw. They like to have the Hart family like show up for the they this is not the first time they've done this in this Owen versus Brett saga where they've had the family come out and talk about it. So Bruce comes out and is like, you're a disgrace, Owen, blah blah blah. He's Bruce sucks. Uh the most <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to Bruce Hart was during a match where the Hart all of the Hart family was wrestling as a team and Bobby Heenan was on commentary and he decides to shit on Bruce by going Hey, what, what kind of name is Bruce? She, Martha had nine months to come up with a name, and the best thing she'd come up with is Bruce. <laughs> uh, 
uh, sick burn. He has better ones, admittedly, but that uh, that's always a memorable one. Is him just being like, "Oh, that's stupid." That's a stupid. Bruce is a stupid name. I guess it. I guess it's cute. My favorite. My favorite one of Bobby Heenan's hates the hearts jokes is when is that like Stu Hart was sitting at ringside one for this match, and he had like this big like leather jacket on with a bear on the back, and he goes, "Oh, look at that! Stu has a picture of his wife on the on his jacket. How nice!" Ah! <laughs> What the hell? Mean? Calling, calling, uh, not Martha Hart, Helen Hart, uh, calling Helen ugly and Stu old and stupid is the go-to place for making fun of the hearts by heel commentators. Helen Hart. I gotta say, that's a hell, that's a hell of a name. Uh... Anyway, so that's that. Uh, you, oh, uh, I almost felt something by a match happening on Raw, but when Owen, when Owen Hart to kind of had a match with one, two, three kid in this last episode, and it was really good until it ended when Jim Neidhart ran in and interfered, and so it was ended by DQ, and then they both just beat up the one, two, three kid for a minute, and that's it. What? Why? <laughs> Because oh. they have to show how evil heels they are. Uh, fucking Heart Foundation. By the, by the way, thanks, Brett, for not helping. <laughs> Gotta say, I'm really... The, 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 the Heart Foundation really just does nothing but kind of annoy me whenever they show up. I really want to like them and be into them. But they just never really do a good job at making people anything other than like general annoyance in their general direction. There, there was like they they had that one kind of like match where I was like, it's kind of cool they were like double teaming and going so hard. But like, Jesus, guys, just chill out a little bit. Fuck. Oof. Yeah. So that's that. Um, let's see. Uh, Razor and now time to get to stories that have actually made some progression that I can talk about. So, as we know that for SummerSlam, it's going to be Razor Ramon versus Diesel for the Intercontinental title. Oh, don't say that name to me right now. Uh, yeah, so Diesel's on this show. I know. I know he's new generation. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an open wound, Diesel, at the moment. Yeah, so you know, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of like Razor it has is having to fight Sean and Diesel two on one and kind of failing because it's two on one. Kind of the big one is that 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 Sean and Razor had a match on Raw that was also pretty good. Wow, they keep having these occasions, good matches on occasion. That's nice, I guess. But they have the match and Razor loses because uh, Diesel boots him in the face and it get gives Sean the ability to win. So, so but don't worry, he's got backup. Chicago Bears running back Walter Payton. I'm sorry. Because Leslie Nielsen was enough of a celebrity hook for you. We got Walter Payton in here. What? Why? So he's he's going to be at SummerSlam to make sure that Shawn Michaels doesn't try any funny business. Is he wrestling? Nah, he's just going to be there to stop Shawn from fucking around. You know, I don't know if that's like a relief because he's like, you know, not a wrestler or disappointing because that would be hugely entertaining. It probably would be pretty entertaining, yes. But yeah, so that's where that's at. Uh, all right, 
Lex Luger and Tatanka. This is oh. the biggest. This is the most consistent weekly progression of any storyline going on so far. Oh woof! Oh, so woof. It's, it's been a series of continuing escalations of basically of of Ted DiBiase is like I have signed Lex Luger and Lex Luger's kind of like no you no. haven't. But then, but then Ted DiBiase keeps showing up for all of Luger's matches as if he was the manager. Why? Because he's, 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 I don't know. He's trying to sell the idea that he actually has purchased Lex Luger. But, but, but he clearly, ha oh God, you know what? I'm not going to question anything. The writing in this era is fucking stupid and we're almost done with it. Oh, I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. 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 And Tatanka is like. What the fuck, bro? You've changed, bro. You sold out, bro. And so Lex Luger's like, man, I, I haven't done anything. <laughs> I have literally done nothing. But because Tatanka wants to throw hands, they're going to throw hands at SummerSlam. Uh, of course. Okay, 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 okay. And then uh, we've had two new matches announced for SummerSlam to kind of round us out here. Oh. Is we had a women's segment, David. Oh. It is a miracle. Oh. David? Femoids. <laughs> In my had, 90s wrestling. We had two women's segments in the last six weeks. What? Okay. I'm, as we're all kind of making jokes here, but I want to kind of point out that this era of women's wrestling isn't terrible because they're because WWF's idea was what if we just take a get a but sign a bunch of talented women from J Japanese wrestling and just put them on our show. Yeah. The problem is that they don't show them on TV, like ever. As an example to you of what I mean by that, uh. I have now watched every Monday Night Raw from the end of WrestleMania 10 at the, the basically the start of April to now, August 21st, 94. The women's champion has been on TV three times. Uh, oh, no. There is nothing here. <laughs> and two of those three times happened in the last, like, month and a half. Yep. You know, I'll give him points for putting them actually close together. <laughs> yes, they're, they're telling a real story with this one, actually. So basically, uh, Alundra Blaze is the All-American champion. Woo-hoo. And she's like, I want a challenger for SummerSlam. I already beat Luna Vachon. Can I have, can I wrestle someone new, please? <laughs> <laughs> and and then Luna shows up and is like, Alundra Blaze. Oh, no. But but she brings out Bull Nakano. Bull Nakano is one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. So this is very exciting. They had a match on Raw. It was actually pretty good. But Luna helped Bull win the match. And so now they're going to have a match at SummerSlam. Alundra <laughs> Blaze versus Bull Nakano for the women's title. Okay, that that could be something. That sounds actually kind of promising. Yeah, it probably will be. We're not yes. going to watch it on this podcast because we don't because we can't watch full pay per views around here. But oh. I'm sure it'll be very exciting. Right. I wanted to include it, David. I really did, but the top three matches already took two hours. So, no. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then in our newest, greatest. 
rivalry for SummerSlam. Mabel versus Jeff Jarrett. The Who Doink the Clown, the doink the clown thing basically got dropped. Nobody cares. Thank Christ. Who's Mabel? Mabel? Yeah, Mabel is one of the three men in Men on a Mission. Oh, those fuckers. Okay. Yeah, basically, uh, if you don't remember, they're basically the epitome of rap for white guys. I mean, they're all black, but the rap is that corny, late, early 90s rap that white people liked before gangster rap got popular. Uh... They unironically make one of their big like crowd chants, whoop, there it is. Oh, no. I, I will also say, I love how multiple times in this <laughs> podcast you have, like, you have had reason to bring up, like, the pre-gangster rap era of like of 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 like R and B. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I I appreciate it. Hey, wrestling is an inherently musical thing. You love to see it. Yeah. So they've kind of threw this together at the last minute, two weeks before SummerSlam, because they need a mid card match, and they're like, rap versus country. It's perfect. Oh, kill me. It's like they finally figured out they had two different gimmicks on this roster that were like musical themed, and they're like, that's, dude, dude. Oh, wait. Oh, that was... No, that was an Attitude Era. I was going to ask if Jeff Jarrett's fucking CDs now, Jeff, No, that, that was Attitude now, Era. Now, Jeff Jarrett's, Jeff Jarrett's still heavy into the... I'm a country singer. Like, 94 is where... Is, so, he's a country singer. They're rappers. It's basically perfect, right? Oh. And, like, the only worthwhile segment I've seen of theirs is they had a segment where Jeff Jarrett won a match... And then Mabel and uh believe Mo no Oscar from Men on a Mission because their names are not only the acronym Mom, but also all of their names, initials are M-O-M. Yeah. Mabel, Oscar, and Mo. So <laughs> Mom. Anyway, so Oscar and Mabel comes out and and Oscar is spitting bars at, at Jeff Jarrett. And the whole time Jeff Jarrett is just in the ring. Doing the doing like the chicken dance at Mabel because the uh, because May because Mabel is respecting the referees and like a good baby face because he's it's like he wants to get in the ring and fight but the referees are like nah man nah man don't do it and so Mabel is respectful about it and so then Jeff Jarrett's just like bah, 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 bah. I don't think he does the noise but he yeah. does he does the chicken miming I will say first. <sighs> Many things as I do not like in this. I will give them this. I am pleasantly surprised that the black rappers are the baby faces here over the white country singer. They're, I am pleasantly shocked at that. That actually not the only time that ever happens, but the other time it happens, it happens in WCW, which is again Southern wrestling. So oh. even though the, the even though the country guys are supposed to be the obnoxious heels. The fans prefer the country guys. Of course they do. Of course they do. But, 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 look, I'll give them credit where credit is due. That is a surprisingly, I don't quite want to say progressive, but not like a horribly stereotypical thing for them to do uh, for mid-90s. Good, good job, golf clap. Yay, team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only other thing worth mentioning that has no effect on storylines, thank God, but I've, I remember that we are in the midst of a baseball strike, and the reason I know that is oh, because yeah, WWE's this cashing in. They, last week was the debut of Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. 
He is base. He is a baseball player. It is all to make fun of the to the you the to the uh, the players union stuff. He basically he cuts a heel promo on how it's not the owner's fault that there's no baseball. It's not the players' fault there's no baseball. They're just being good businessmen. It's the fault of you, the fans, that there's no baseball. Kill me, please kill me. Life it's is so- pain. It's so stupid, and like I said, it's always like I said before. It's always a little bit uncomfortable when WWE decides to go, to go like haul, go like take their pot shots and like, huh? We don't have, we never go on strike. We never have an off seasons. Like, yes, I wonder unlike, why. Well, because unlike real sports, you don't have a players' union. You don't have a wrestlers' union. That's why mm-hmm. <laughs> these ha- these things happen. Oh, in other boy. sports, but not in yours. So, like, uh, it's always uncomfortable for me when they decide to be like, <laughs> wasn't this also when they were cutting those really cringy ads about like about the kid in the baseball field? And, yes, like, yeah. I don't know if it's the fucking... same. I don't know if it's the same. I haven't seen the commercial, but like they, they did. This would have been the right era because Macho Man was the guy in the commercial who, yep. who like is like, don't worry, Jimmy, little Jimmy. Oh. I'll you. I'll play baseball with you, because the kid has no one to play baseball with. Because you get it, because all the players are on strike. My my inner r truth just got triggered. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh yikes! The, okay, knucklehead or whatever the fuck is that? The dude with the like whole ass baseball painted on his face. Yes. Oh good. Okay. Not shocked. Okay. Yeah, also not the only sports gimmick I've had that exists. I mean, this I is the era of jobs as gimmicks, so it makes sense. Yeah, so I was like, oh my god, oh, for God's sake, this is I have to watch this now. Here we go again. I've, I've never watched Abe Knuckleball Schwartz before, and sadly, now I can say that I have. There's a first time for everything, buddy. I appreciate your sacrifice. Anyway, it is time for Sunday Night Slam, and they've announced a few matches. And, you know, the important matches. <laughs> you are, even for a 90-minute show, this is still going to be mostly a jobber squashes, but they actually have a few good matches here. <laughs> yeah, well, named matches. Not, not necessarily good. Oh. So... The, the the premier match is Lex Luger versus Crush. Mm. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy that a lot. Uh, then we're going to get the big boy beefy match between Diesel and Typhoon of the Natural Disasters. Uh, is please tell me it's going to be it's going to let Typhoon show off athletic prowess more than it did in the episode we did with Elizabeth. Probably. Yay. Okay, I'll take it. Yes, also, Typhoon's a bit of in a weird spot right now because his tag team partner by this point has already quit and went back to WCW. So he's he's just kind of here and still here now, I guess. Yikety, yikety, yikes. And one of the premier matches is a women's match. (gasps) where We're going to get Bull Nakano versus Heidi Lee Evans. Who's that? Don't know. Never heard of her before. Never seen her, Matt. Never seen her before. Don't know who she is. But 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 a New Japan wrestler? Uh, not New Japan. New oh. Japan is men's only. But a Japanese oh. wrestler indeed. 
Yay! I don't, I don't believe we don't believe I don't believe we've ever talked about this before because it's never come up. But in Japanese wrestling, the wrestling companies are are uh, there are completely gender. You know, there's not oh. there's there's not most there's not really any there's not really any major companies that are both men and women's wrestling. It's all uh, it's like men's wrestling over here, women's wrestling over here. Slightly disappointing, but okay, okay, they're still really talented. That's cool. Yay! I'm happy yeah. to finally get to see Japanese. Well, well, I guess not finally. We have we we do have a uh, uh, Taka, but still. Yay. But yes, uh, that. And then, of course, we get the we get, of course, the Leslie Nielsen skits and the show ends with uh, with we get to see uh, Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler in the WWF studio taking studio calls. Oh, <laughs> from no. the fans. Oh, no. Gonna that, be a good gonna be, be a good time. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I I guess I've never really talked about what Sunday Night Slam is. It's kind of what it sounds kind of like. It's basically just there to be a, a you know a hype up the pay per view special weekend show event. You know. Yeah, we're doing something not raw. That's cool. Yeah, it's very exciting. Anyway, uh, that is our front half. <clears throat> All righty. We are going to see things, I'm sure. I uh, We are going to use our eyeballs and observe moving pictures, and we will have some things to say about it uh, in a little bit. Yep. Uh, see you guys in the back half. Hasta luego. And we are back. We have just finished 90% of uh, Sunday Night Slam <laughs> August 94. I'll explain oh, that God. when we get to it. Uh, you know... I really, I really um, pulled out my inner Nostradamus uh, at the back end of the, the front half a little bit. That certainly was a set of moving pictures that I looked at with my eyeballs. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I, I can't make this show about nothing joke, both because we've already did it. We've already done and it. Two, because I can't say that nothing happened. Yeah. It's, it's just, it was, it was there. Most of it was there. This was a passable episode of new generation um now longtime listeners will know that we uh that that we here on the noobs and knockouts podcast have a wee bit of a distaste for the new generation um Mm -hmm. so this is a low bar to clear but it was all right (laughs) yeah um do we want to start with the the headlining story or do we want to go in order i mean I feel like we should start with the headlining story because, like, the headlining story just kind of, like, pops in and out so, like, randomly and almost nonchalantly that I worry that, like, bringing it up in sequence will just kind of, like, diminish any effect that it has, and I want to at least give some credence to it. Yeah, that's fair. This is going to sound mean, but it almost feels like those segments kind of sums up the whole show. Yeah, I gotta say... When you promised me Leslie Nielsen as a guest detective, I was definitely imagining something a little more not what we saw. <laughs> yeah, it was uh most of it was underwhelming. I I was say. expecting him to like be there, which I guess it makes sense why he wasn't cuz like, you know, Leslie Nielsen got to be out in LA doing his Leslie Nielsen thing, but like I was imagining please him have, like. Please have something better to do. 
Yeah, like I was just imagining him, like you know, in the in the arena, and like he's talking to commentary, and he's talking to people, and he's like dicking around in the audience, and like we have backstage segments of him, like with a fucking magnifying glass or something. Um, I'm gonna spoil a little bit of SummerSlam for you and tell you that he does make a he does make an in ring appearance. Okay, that's cute. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we got more on Undertaker versus Undertaker this time. And we, we did, we, we were a bit mistaken in the front half. They were referring to him as Leslie Nielsen. He just acts like Frank Drebin the whole time. Yeah, he acts like Frank Drebin and they don't, and they treat him as if he is an actual detective, that he's not an actor that played a detective, that he is a detective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but basically what it was is they showed like a little preview that I guess they'd already shown before of him talking about, I am here to find the undertaker. Yeah. They, uh, they, 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 they do the whole setup of the entire feud. So that you understand what he, what we're doing here. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got a whole video package about it. Um, which I guess I appreciated seeing all those little like highlight reels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just highlights for me, like, again, just how stupid this whole thing is. I am far less in, incensed by it than, than my dear co-host here is, um, but I'm certainly just kind of sitting about back the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just kind of sitting back here like, okay, I guess. I made the comment to Austin we were watching of, like, I can understand, like, each segment individually why, like, people in the writer's room thought, like, this was okay, but just watching it all through, it's like, man, this is really missing something and it just does not land whatsoever. Again, we've already covered this in the last episode, but honestly, this whole dumb Leslie Nielsen bit is probably the best thing this could ever have going for it as it exists, honestly. Yeah, so, you know, this is a whole lot of of them trying to do jokes with Leslie Nielsen. I say try because I think most of them are they're not even, they're, they're so lazy I don't even think they're funny. Except yeah, for the last bit had some. They were I, 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 relatively I, amusing. Yeah, so the first one he he talks about that he's gonna he has seen the light and he will find the truth about the Undertaker, and then the joke is that they like turn the lights out on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then we see him in like an office with like a friggin' Pepe Silvia board up. Um, mm-hmm. and and he the uh, hey Austin, could you tell? that this this episode had a corporate sponsor it was really subtle but i noticed some very like subdued product placement could you tell could you tell that this damn episode was hosted by domino's yeah so they are the sponsor of SummerSlam, as todd pettengill is happy to remind us every time he comes on screen way but yeah so they have they have they have leslie nielsen order pete order dominoes yeah and the joke is is that he drops something and he has and he's and the entire time that the delivery guy gets here he's under his desk so he's not looking at him and the undertaker is the one who delivers the pizza oh god it's just like i i just like as a gag it's cute enough but also you have to remember that like wwf takes its kayfabe somewhat seriously well, mostly seriously. So, like in kayfabe, this makes no damn sense whatsoever. Why, why is the Undertaker delivering pizza? Why is the Undertaker delivering pizza? Why is he not sticking around in the office of the one detective who, um, who who's like trying to solve this case? Why isn't he showing up anywhere else? Is he just is he just getting kicks out of being a cheeky bastard about this whole thing? What's going on? Yeah, like why? Yeah, there's it just raises too many questions. <laughs> huh. questions that I'm sure Leslie Nielsen would be more than happy to bumble his way to answer. 
Yeah, so there's that. The third one is he is like staring off into the distance in front of blatant green screens. Yeah, that he's, uh, of he's, different like locations. Like he's traveling around the world looking for cases, and the gag yeah. is that every 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 lead has a dead end, uh, and then it ends with him him, him walking in front of a dead end sign in a cemetery, and he's like, in "I think cemetery. I'm I think I'm finally getting somewhere." <laughs> god uh and then the fourth one is he's at some pool party or something the one that i enjoyed the most because they actually felt like actual attempts at jokes that i might see in a naked gun movie yeah where still still like still like cheap versions of those jokes but you know it's it's something it's in the vein so like it's a whole lot it's a whole lot of wordplay where yeah. the first thing is he interrupts a interview by Ray Rougeau, one of WWE's announcers, and Ray falls in the pool and he and he like over and while he's talking over this, he's like, "I'm trying to catch some rays," and he like tries <laughs> to catch Ray uh... Rougeau as he falls in the pool. He makes another gag about Randy Sav that leads to Randy Savage. I missed this. I missed yeah. that one. I me and too. He, and he talks, and then he talk. He opens up a magazine. He's talking about how he's finding the mystery around the globe and the the front page of the magazine is called around the globe and it's about the undertaker and then he talks about the sun being black or for whatever reason and then this like little kid reading the wall street journal lectures him about how dumb he is or whatever and he's like thanks son like, do you get it because the sun had a dark outlook and he try, and then he tries to and then he's like, how could there be two Undertakers? And then another Leslie Nielsen shows up to be like, perhaps one of them is a fraud. Officers, take them away. So apparently that this whole cute. time we've been following the fake Leslie Nielsen. I, I will give them that. That is a cute like gag. And I appreciate like the practical effect that goes into doing a body double like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but dear Lord. Um, yeah. The the attempts at comedy here, they were not painful. Austin made a comment earlier on of like, man, they're really not attempting naked gun level humor. And I'm like, I feel like they tried to go full on like naked gun level humor, just be like bad and painful and like cringy as all hell. This was like, it was passable and mildly diverting. And that last segment was like actually cute enough because there was some wordplay. Yeah, it it's not like it was like so bad. I'm just like dying of cringe. Yeah. But it's just not that funny. This Leslie Nielsen thing was a lot less of a thing than I kind of thought it would be. Which, like, damn, I'm really not learning my lessons with New Generation, am I? Why? Because <laughs> you keep thinking we're gonna get something here, and we're yeah. Not- every time, like, you promise me some like new level of bullshit that they pull off, I expect it to be some level of like bombastic, and it's just it's. It's not. It's all just really nonchalant and understated, no, the, and nobody clearly gives a shit. This isn't the era where the bo- where the bullshit is bombastic. That's it, uh, that's the attitude era when you have bombastic Bart. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's kind of it. I guess if you want to call an a plot, that's the a plot of this. I will say, I will say, I you know, for as dumb as it kind of was. Getting Leslie Nielsen in to do this bit was a decently good idea because, like, he can play lame comedy well enough. Um, you know, 
watching that entire friggin' Todd Pettengill segment just makes me really happy that it like wasn't Pettengill or someone of his ilk because that would have been like exceedingly painful. At oh, least no. Nielsen Pet- like Pettengill trying to do this detective stick would have been awful. God, Pettengill just clearly loves to hear himself talk, and those segments make me want make me want to like invert my own fucking eardrums. Yeah, not I'm I'm not a fan of Todd Pettengill. I know he's got a real nostalgic charm these days, but no. But yeah, at it now, no. Oh, please, no. Todd Pettengill's where charisma goes to die. Yeah, so I guess this is going to the rest of the show. It's pretty. The rest yeah. of the show is pretty straightforward, which is for the best because I'm struggling to find the results online. So <laughs> thankfully, there's not. A, it's not that hard to remember what it, what actually happens. Yeah. So we get we get big ooh la la headlining match of Lex Luger versus Crush. Luger gets the dub, obviously. I gotta say, again, the episode was passable. Like none of the fights were like bad. Mm-hmm. The Luger versus Crush fight, for as much as I do not give a shit about Lex Luger, um, it was it was good enough. Like they they started off, it looked like it was gonna be another like headlock central sort of sort of match. They kind of actually got out of that pretty quickly, so I'll give them props for that. Cause that's a low bar accomplishment for friggin' new generation. Um and there was actually a decent um a decent level of athleticism being shown off. Um I I you know, I enjoy I'm I go back and forth on whether or not I enjoy brutalists. Like it's really like dependent for me on on like the individual performer. Crush is a decent brutalist and it's just fun to for me to watch him wail on Luger. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's this is a very strike heavy match as opposed to anything else. Yeah, very. You know, they're they're punching and punching and punching. Yeah, and punching. Well, Crush which is get, fine. But... Crush gets a decent level of impact on Luger too. Like I will, mm-hmm. I will give Crush this. Like the stuff he lands feels like it lands. Um, and Luger does a good enough job at selling. Um, that throughout it does keep it does actually keep a sense of momentum um mm-hmm. where they are kind of hitting each other uh, a decent amount and when luger gets hit it feels it feels like a tangible impact um i don't know exactly what it is about crush's um crush's style that lends to that he's just very good at getting those like hard hits and like getting jumps down from the top rope um and clearly exerting some level of weight when he has somebody in like some any sort of submission hold um that is compelling enough just in the in the like oh yeah i imagine that hurts and like you know good 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 show there buddy yeah it was is is a decent enough match yeah and and, and and luger and luger matches up decently well um for as much as i don't care about his character like yeah that was that was actually a good show of athleticism from him and obviously he gets the dub because of course murica gets the dub and he has a he has he's he's on the card for the pay-per-view so yeah of course we're going right. to get him to win yeah, um, and and related to that is DiBiase comes out in the middle of the match to kind of be on Luger's side, and kind of leading again to this. Oh kind my of god, this whole stupid! Like they they keep trying to be. It's it's very this very story of continually Luger is rejecting DiBiase's affiliation, and and DiBiase keeps showing up as if there is an affiliation. Man, this is. This is the this is the worst will they won't they I've ever seen. <laughs> it it kind of is, yes. <laughs> because the question and, isn't will they won't they, it's more like when will DiBiase get the hint and fuck off. 
you know, this is this is like the the wrestling manager equivalent of the of the beleaguered nice guy who just keeps asking until he gets a yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, DiBiase is a nice guy. Makes way too much sense. Um, <laughs> uh, God, yeah. So so that was a thing. Um, and again, I was just I was just rooting for Crush to get the dub. I knew he wasn't going to, but it looked like he should have. He put on. He, I, I'll give him that. He he put on a pretty good show. Um. And I appreciate his kind of like brute strength style. He's one mm-hmm. of the ones I can kind of get down. Maybe it's just because he was beating up on Luger, but I I, I appreciated yeah. kind of what he brought to the ring. Um, yeah, and Luger was serviceable enough. Yeah, so we get that, and we get then we get to a tag team match between uh, mil- mil- the million dollar man's Pete actual cronies, uh, yeah. IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow. No promo from IRS this time about how we're all tax cheats. <laughs> I'm I, I'm very disappointed. And then he's they're facing the one two three kid and fucking Sparky Plug. Yeah. Um. I I noted I noted to Austin um how funny I find it that IRS is paired up with Ted DiBiase, who a million dollar man not being a tax cheat is like the most like sus thing I've ever heard. Um, uh, so I mean, but I it mean, also at I the mean, same time makes all the sense because of course he doesn't care because DiBiase is rich. So like, why would he care? I mean, I'm, I would point out that the IRS has cut a promo about how how he completely doesn't understand progressive taxation because he talks he cut a promo about how the rich people pay the yeah. most in taxes, so you people need to pay yeah. more, pay your fair share to ease that burden. <laughs> so, Shakes fist pours. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm sure in his mind, DiBiase plays pays too much in taxes. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, IRS won't be satisfied until DiBiase is legally a tax cheat. Um, <laughs> the ultimate irony. Um, but yeah. Um, that match. I mean. Look, one, two, three kid is in the match. As I remarked when we were watching it, um, one, two, three kid can make anybody look good in ring. Um, he is exceptional. Yeah. Um, okay. I will, I, I deeply enjoy watching him as I've made abundantly clear on this show already. Um, and he does pair up well. He even makes, he even makes Sparky seem somewhat notable. Yeah, he makes Sparky look way cooler by comparison. <laughs> I will say, uh, th- there was kind of this cool, um, this cool, kind of uh, 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 um, dichotomy going on here because um, both Bam Bam and IRS, like, you know, speaking of Brutalist, that's kind of more their style. And Sparky is more of kind of like the limber, um, the limber uh, um, dexterity guy like 123 is. So mm-hmm. seeing his brand of that paired up next to 123, it feels, it feels like, you know, uh, it, I'm sure as a standalone Sparky's not all that impressive, but when paired up next to one, two, three, uh, it feels like a natural match. Um, and it looks good enough. Like your mind kind of gets tricked into thinking both of them are like, are like particularly talented when one of them is clearly carrying the weight. Yeah. And, and, and Bam Bam Bigelow is an athletic, uh, Oh, he's great. Is on his own. He's, he was, he was showing off in this match. Oh my God. Um, Bigelow gets some holds in this match. Um, Oh no, yeah, yeah, he got some good holds in this match, didn't he? Um, um he he wasn't the hold. He wouldn't he didn't do a whole lot. Oh, okay. I, that's more bull than the that next. Was more, match. Oh, okay. That I was thinking of bull. No, but but no, but Bigelow does get some good stuff. Um, he he is surprisingly limber, uh, for his for his size. Um, and he uh 
he just generally um squares up better against someone like one two three kid than he might think or at the very least like it's less about like the look at the big dude versus look at the small dude like he mm-hmm. kind of does hold his own against uh one two three kids like flips and tricks and shit. Yeah, he, like even he doesn't hit it, but he does have his his like signature move where he like dives off the top rope. That's uh, greetings from mm-hmm. Asbury Park, I believe is what that's called. Ah, <laughs> wait, wait, isn't that a isn't that a, a, a um a Springsteen album? Probably. Oh God, I'll have to ask my brother about that one. Um, yeah, no. Um, but he was, yeah, he was, he was enjoyable. Um, uh, I was impressed again. Bam Bam's one of those people that hits hard, hits well. Um, and against someone, especially as kind of lanky as one, two, three kid and sparky. Um, it really does. It does. It really does make a splash when it connects and one, two, three kid on top of being a really good worker. He's exceptionally good at selling too. Um, and not in like an over the top way. Like it's really realistic. Um, so the two of them going up together was a, was a good enough matchup and IRS is competent enough. Like he doesn't, he's not a standout wrestler by any means, but he's a big, thick boy, and he does, and he works well enough. Um, that putting I, him in a ring with someone produces good enough results generally. I I put him in the same category as Sparky Plug, and that he's not particularly impressive as a solo guy, but in a tag team, it can work. He, he works. It's it can more hides it. He more easily hides the fact that he's not that interesting. Well, because I I kind of um not to like shoehorn in a theme here. But this kind of, you know, brings me back to something I told I, I said to you while we were watching of like, you know, these matches are competent in this episode, like across the board, mm-hmm. they're competent. Um, but I still can't connect with them. And that's just because I do not care about these characters. And and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the general consensus, as you said, for new generation IRS, because he's such a dumb meme. I do enjoy him somewhat as a character, even if it's wholly ironic. Mm-hmm. Um. So that boosts it in my mind. And that's that's kind of like a thing with the new generation on a whole. And like this episode especially is like is like their ability to plot things for the most part is just non-existent. So, you know, I I, there are a couple like gimmick characters that I that I can enjoy because they're funny. And that makes me enjoy them more in rings. I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm getting to see more of them. So Mm -hmm. even though IRS isn't particularly impressive, like. I look at him and I watch him and I'm like, yeah, that's fun because he's a fun character. Um, yeah. So it kind of shows off the weird little thing the new generation had going wherein the, um, the it, it's so much of it is dragged down just by this subpar writing. And they're, and they're trying to make more characters, fun characters like the IRS, like IRS. Oh boy. Are they trying? Yeah. But it usually isn't working. Well, and and the thing is, too, I don't know how well IRS landed, like, back, at, you know, mm. back in the actual day. He lands well with me today because, for some reason, I just particularly find that concept really, really funny. Um, and just generally the, the big, scary, like, everybody's a tax cheat dude in, like, 2021 feels like kind of this brand of humor that I, that I can appreciate in the modern age. Mm. I don't know how well he landed, like, in 94 or wherever, or whenever. That's fair. Um, he seems he doesn't seem like a particular fan favorite but the whole like everybody's a tax cheat thing i imagine at least makes him stand out somewhat yeah he he's he's memorable even if it's for like the absolutely insane idea for a wrestling character of thinks everyone is a tax cheat <laughs> gonna talk about yeah. taxes all um, the time but, but 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 that but that does feel like a, a pertinent thing 
to really think about when it comes to this era because again we're seeing in action the piss poor ability to create any sort of compelling storytelling and so it leads to like you know we bring in leslie nielsen for a guest spot and it's like the 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 bits are charming but they're not particularly funny I imagine if this whole Undertaker thing were played better, I would have found them, even if they existed in the exact same way, I would have found them a bit more like fun and charming and entertaining if mm-hmm. this everything surrounding it wasn't the stupidest waste of potential in the universe. Yeah, like every, it feels like everything in the new generation is either bad or or a waste of potential. Not not really anything better than that. And it and it it really shows the WWF's ass here. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the really, because, because as we've kind of discussed, you know, we'll touch on every once in a while on this show is they, they put on a weekly fake fighting show. That's a lot of work and it's, and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard to keep a consistently really good quality. That's why there are like really standout episodes because you can only pull out like the really, really good stuff, you know, once in a while. Um, this is an era that just really shows how true that is because even when things are serviceable, everything surrounding it is so nothing that it just feels extremely bare bones. Even if you transplanted these matches to a modern era with just better, like kayfabe story, story boarding around it, it would be a much more fun episode. Um, it mm-hmm. shows this company's ass so like, much. Yeah, and it's kind I, of a really interesting case study of how they run things. Yeah, if I was more invested in these characters, and as I, I told David this when I was when, I, when we were watching it, is that I've watched when you're we talking about this topic, I've watched five months of this by now. But now mm-hmm. I, if I was gonna be invested in any of these people, I would be. And I would be, and like, yeah, if you did the exact same matches again and uh but i was invested in the characters i'd probably say this was a pretty good episode Mm -hmm. but without that character investment i just don't care yeah all this this era its biggest crime is kind of reminding us how really dumb wrestling is like as a as a running business model and like as an entertainment concept, because if you keep it up like this, it's just non-viable. Um, it do- it can't stand on its own for for particularly long. Um, thank God for the Attitude Era saving its ass and you know setting it back on a good trajectory. Um, but that praise, that, that, praise, that makes praise praise be the ECW and the NWO yeah, and the yeah. Attitude Era as a whole. Jesus, I know, I know. See? But like, but, but, but it, it does, that's what, that's what makes this era fascinating is just watching this company flounder makes you appreciate why in other places it works. It really makes you understand that, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, which I think is kind of a cool takeaway to have from this era, if nothing else, cause the rest of it sucks so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Take the wins where we can. So all bam, bam gets the win. Yeah, and that man. Yeah, bam, bam, yeah, the heels get the dub here. Woo! That does set up for uh, the the SummerSlam pre-show match that they announced. The Head Shrinkers, who I forgot were the tag team champions because they yeah. haven't been on Raw, <laughs> taking on Bam Bam and IRS. I would think a theme here of <laughs> people just not being on Raw for a long. I would, time. I would, I would segue that into the women's match. But yeah, technically, but technically Razor Ramon happened first. Oh yeah. Razor Ramon in a jobber squash against some motherfucker in colorful pants. 
Um, it was dumb. Jobber squashes are dumb. Yeah, like like I told David, like people will swear by jobber squash matches as an effective means of getting over another wrestler, getting over a, a top wrestler. And I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I don't see how I don't understand the appeal. I can understand the appeal on an occasion. I don't understand the appeal. I don't understand how like watching a dude like Razor Ramon beat up on cans again and again and again actually gets him makes him more pop makes him more popular. I don't see why that well, makes me like him more. It's the different sensibilities of the, of the mm-hmm. fans generation by generation, right? Yeah, I, I, it, accept, is I accept we... that's probably it. Is that like these this shit got phased out in the attitude era because WCW was like, nah, we ain't doing jobber squash matches. So then then it it's it's the cycle of like, well, if WCW's not gonna do them, then then WWE can't get away with it. And now suddenly the genie's out of the bottle. We can't go backwards. So I'm I'm born into this era where jobber squashes are just complete are pretty much eradicated and just kind of completely dumb filler uh, as opposed to being the primary means of wrestling television like yeah, they are I even mean, in 94. Well, well, because you and I are modern viewers and, and not only are we modern viewers, we're both gigantic nerds. Um, so, so, you know, between those kind of two, you know, uh, 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 irrefutable facts, um, we are, of a mindset of we get into these things because of compelling storytelling. That is very much the modern uh, wrestling sensibility of appreciating the story that's being told on some level. Um, and I mean, obviously yeah, we're being told like in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. In ring storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, with, with good kayfabe to surround it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, y- yeah, there, there's the, and on top of that, you know, obviously we've now made it our jobs to like, you know, dig through, uh, re- you know, different, different wrestling media and be like, please God, let there be some like deeper thing to analyze here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, we are of an, of a generation that appreciates storytelling and is compelled by storytelling. And that feels like we want to have our fighting justified with said storytelling. That older generation, they grew up on the superstars. Like if you think about what defines the golden age, uh, like there are storylines there. Sure. But what defines it is Hulk Hogan is Randy Savage is Andre the giant. It's the characters. So having these jobber squashes to them, I imagine why it compels them so much is because they're effectively exhibition matches. See all your favorite wrestlers show why they're such cool badasses. And then if you want to see all the cool badasses go up against each other in like an Avengers civil war style, like free for all, um, then pay extra money and you get the cool shit. But yeah, like, pay, for either now, like go on pay by the pay-per-view or buy a ticket. Yeah, exactly. But for now, watch the, you know, if, if you're if you're just a you know a, a filthy casual free member, uh, you know watch watch the exhibition matches where we show off that like yeah these are big strong boys that can do cool stuff, um, and the, I can understand why that appeals to to a sensibility of somebody who grew up, you know, 
where the main draw is the stars. For us, that's not really the case. We appreciate the stars. I have plenty of modern stars that I won't shut the fuck up about how much I love, but they're mm-hmm. not the main. I love them because of the stories that surround them, because of the characters that are created, uh, yeah. and not just some like weird cult of cult of personality uh, attached to a, a muscly, oiled up, spray tan dude. Yeah, I think that I think that like as wrestling becomes more and more a real television st- product in a, in, in terms of how it, it like when it stops necessarily being nothing, a whole lot of like yelling at yelling at each other over the microphone on a microphone. Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's more complexity to it than that. Then jobber squashes are just filler. Yeah. And that's, in in a, yeah yeah as a if 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 we're supposed to treat wrestling TV as a as a mouth as a as an appetizer as a as a mouth waterer or yeah. as a as a as a small taste to get you to try the get by get the full course then it works just fine as part of a as part of a of a of a narrative within a television show they're stupid <laughs> and they're kind of boring and that's what wrestling is now that's the only way that i've ever been able to see wrestling and so i'm like please stop yeah um which again is why i say like i'm sure like if we got older viewers starting to watch this show we'd piss them off with a lot of our takes because oh my god uh do we shit all over these older eras me especially um so apologies uh my absolute hot take that i like wrestling more and better now than i do in the attitude era yeah, and, like, and uh, I understand that, well, that not growing up, and I completely am aware that not growing up in it probably affects that. Um. Oh well, no, that is nothing compared to my nuclear take that I do mm. not find the golden age particularly compelling. Um. That that, that is, one that that one's too spicy for me. I'm, that I'm, one's too spicy. I am going to try to prove to you that this can at least be fun. I mean, it had its moments, right? You heard me gush mm-hmm. about about that mo, you know that what that moment. Miss Elizabeth pulls out Hulk Hogan, and like it's all cool. Like it has its moments, but it does not match up for me to things like Summer of Punk. I'm sorry. I know that's like a nuclear take. Uh, that 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 is totally born of me being a complete modern, you know, filthy noob. But mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm sorry. But anyway, anyway, not the point. Um, uh, and I mean the other thing is we talked about too of of jobber squashes can be done well in the modern era like we were talking about you know with lucha underground jobber squashes are fun because the characters are like actually like somewhat distinctive and not just like a random dude in a different color set of spandex Mm -hmm. um so they can be done well but again you need to attach something to it because otherwise again it just feels like an exhibition match and at least viewers like us that does not feel particularly compelling anymore yeah uh i think that you look modern jobber and i think that's that's across the board is that i you see you look at jobbers in the modern sense is that the ones that do exist have a lot of personality to them because i think there's an understanding that's kind of what you need at at this point in time that it that in 94 now whatever some random idiot in basic wrestling gear who cares (laughs) yeah exactly um so but luckily this was a relatively jobber squash less episodes so yeah, like this a special, yeah, this, yeah there's only there were six matches and only two were jobber squashes because oh is it is the important matches kind of a show yeah um so that was so that that at least made it feel at least somewhat less painful mm-hmm. um 
Uh, but yeah, but then we got the woman's match, and oh my god. Yes! Yeah! Where, where is Heidi Good Lee women's where wrestling! Has, where has Heidi Lee Morgan been? Where's Heidi Lee Morgan been? Uh, I mean, I, I know, know like... Bull, I, were, I know where Bull Nakano is. She is in Japan. Yeah, yeah. A Bull Nakano I've never met before, but like, damn. Hot damn. Oh my god. Um... Um, I, we're, I feel we're 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 basically praying to the Church of Joshi today right now. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh man, Bull Nakano's was great. You know, I'm really starting. I'm really starting to notice a pattern with the lady wrestlers that I'm like, hot damn. Um, because like, because I I think if it's like it's like it's like it's like Bull Nakano and Nyla Rose, and I'm like, hmm, what's the thread here? Um, uh, but yeah, oh my god, that was a really good match. Um. Oh my God! The two now, of it, them. It absolutely. It starts with Hailey Morgan just doing some 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 high flying, high flying, and like weirdly effortlessly pushing Bull Nakano around the around the ring. Oh my God! The, you you guys gotta understand if you haven't seen this, Heidi is tiny. This woman is small and she is a twig. But with 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 ease. And Bull Nakano is a real is a hoss. She's big. Yeah. She is she she is thick. Two C's. It's awesome. Um, but she has moved around this ring like it's nothing by Heidi, and I'm I'm sitting here in, in truly in awe. I'm like, how is this very small woman pulling this off? No, it is it is fantastic. I've never heard of her before, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to find all of her matches. I want to see more Heidi Lee Morgan. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Really impressive match overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it was Bull Nakano I was thinking of. Bull, Bull Nakano gets some really cool holds on Heidi. Oh, and Heidi, yeah. I have to imagine, is flexible as all hell because oh, she, of the, some, of the, some of the position. Yeah. But, like, I, I can't even, like, describe all of the moves. But Bull Nakano is, did a fantastic job of just kind of, like, constantly transitioning to different moves in completely oh my different God. submission moves completely in a completely smoothly. Yeah, in, like, a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and constantly it wasn't one or two switches. She goes between like five or six at least. Mm -hmm. Um, oh my God. Um, and she just seems, she does a good job at, I, I mean, I mean, she's not a particularly like impressive, like heel character from like just this one, just this one match, but like, I can even tell like the charisma she has, like, even though she probably doesn't speak English all that much. Um, which is why she is mm, Luna, Luna, yeah. Yeah. Luna Vachon. Mm. Can I just refer to Luna as mm, on this show? <laughs> God, oh, she annoys me. Um, but it was probably why probably why she's freaking Luna as her manager. Um, but um, but like even then, she does a good job at like playing up, like arguing with the ref and and just being a dick. Um, no, okay. she seems like she, so much she, like, fun. She like stomps Heidi Lee's arm, and then once she's doing the submission stuff, she starts biting her hand. I know. And the ref, the ref doesn't care, and he almost like the ref's just like, "Hey, the you ref stop feels like that. scared to say things to her, which is understandable. I would be scared to say things to her too. Mm -hmm. My my mouth would dry up, and just little like blah blah sounds would come out. Um, um, but it, it, it oh my god, um, is it, what was really cool about this match too? It didn't uh, you know for as much as i talk about it, i enjoy having my matches where it's like you know the limber versus the brutalist um this for for their very obvious physical like stature differences it this did not feel as much like that like it was a little bit 
but it wasn't so like kind of ham fisted. There was a she, lot yeah, going on. In this Bo- yeah, Bolnicano isn't, despite her size, it didn't wrestle very much like a power wrestler. Yeah, like, she's, a lot, she's more, limber and, a lot more technically focused. She's limber and agile too, and Heidi is really strong. No, it's that judo toss who judo tossing uh bonacano was a real what the fuck moment i know and there oh god there's just this one image seared in my mind bonacano got heidi into like this like really fucky fireman's carry um that not or not fire it wasn't a fireman's carry because it wasn't up on her shoulders it was like down like in front of her stomach uh oh yeah is this when she has No, 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 also no, also no. Uh, David. Uh, David. Hey, there we are. Okay, I, I <laughs> rambled. About, I rambled about Bull Nakano for a second before I decided to try to update. Oh god. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yes. But, but yeah, the, the the little like holding her in front of her stomach. Oh yes. my god. Uh, the, like like she had her legs kind of twisted around a little bit. Um, and just just that image was so cool because it was like this big woman like just carrying this small woman i didn't um, realize that's I, there there's a there's a wrestler in the late divas era that used that move and i did not realize that's where she took it from oh my god well that's so cool though that bull and was like influential like that i'm not surprised <laughs> but like oh my god um and and heidi heidi does a really good job at selling too uh there, it was kind of it was kind of fun for earlier like like at first she's in this one's mission hold luna's got her trapped again or no, not Luna. Mm. Bolt's got her trapped again, and like she almost looks like she's enjoying herself and like laughing a little bit, but like it slowly just like is like, oh no, that's like that's like cries of pain. Oh, oh. god, ah! yeah. Um, ah. it was it was an awesome match. Um, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that, which is interesting because I don't know much about either of these characters, but in this case, the the fighting was more than serviceable. It was clearly done by very two talented women who clearly had a lot of technical prowess and clearly had good entering chemistry um yeah so that that was a great match to watch and that definitely brought the episode up a bit for me too it was mm-hmm. like oh uh, especially oh my god after slogging through so much divas this was so nice yeah i, I was hoping that this match would be a little bit of a, almost a preview of where we're going yeah nxt but and i was completely right because yes. that was that this match was something else great time 
Yeah. Bull gets the win, obviously. She has the match. She has the title match in a week. Yes, which, again, she's one of those heels that, like, I, I immediately just start rooting for off the bat. Not even this time because I had a distaste for the face. I'm just like, damn, that heel, though. Yeah, I, I enjoy you, Heidi. I'm, gl- I'm glad to discover you, but also, time to die. It's bull, yeah. <laughs> bull Nicano time. Yeah, uh, you have chosen death. Um, yep. and, 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 yeah, Bull gets the win by, do- by you know, she gets Heidi down, jumps off the top rope, and you just know, like, oh, yeah. There's a leg drop off the top Leg rope. drop just off dead. the top damn rope. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you like, as soon as she gets up there, you're like, okay, rip Heidi. Um, but it doesn't feel like a disrespectful win. This was a match that felt very respectful to both of its participants. Um, mm-hmm. And it was very cool to see more yeah. of these. And then uh, next up, we had an interview with Bret Hart. Uh, it was kind of generic honestly yeah, like i praised his his on mic performance in the one two three kid episode uh this was a lot more like it it, it went on a little too long it was just him calling out owen and you know mm-hmm. like ever since you were a baby then you know you're always a little shit but like <laughs> uh, basically I, what it was. I, I did enjoy him calling jim neidhart fat and stupid even though yeah. it was like it's like dude you were you wrestled with him as your tag partner for like a decade <laughs> And you're like, hey, and you're like, he's always been really fat and stupid and ugly, and I don't like him. You know, I could see, I could see that going from an affectionate, like, friendly, uh, you're fat and stupid, to like, I don't like, you know, you're fat and stupid. Yeah. Um, but like, but yeah, it was kind of drawn out. It was fine enough. Uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoy Brett enough to kind of give it a pass. Like, okay, buddy, do what you got to do. I know this is your big literal blood feud. So, yeah, Brett, go, so Brett's, go off. I Brett's guess. trying his hardest to justify his loss to Owen to, to not to not make oh, it seem. Hosting. Yeah, he's like, oh, but but you see, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that was only that that match wasn't for the title, and I was distracted because later in the night I had the WWE title match against Yokozuna. So, aha! Uh-huh. You know, but I to, was only pretending to be a loser. <laughs> <laughs> But no, he tries to he tries to play it off like a fluke, and I don't necessarily know if that was the best character direction. Mm-mm. Like I I, I, I I disagree with that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think, I don't think I don't th- I don't think that's a strong uh, a strong way for Brett to go. No, nah, it's not a strong. He doesn't have a strong case. I think it, I think I think it would have been better off, you know, him just being like, yeah, he got the better of me, but I'm the best there is, the best there ever was, the best there ever will be. Yada yada. He's not gonna get me twice. I've been I'm I've been training up. I was I'm ready now. Yeah, with the title on the line, I won't fail again. Or that feels yeah. that just feels more right for Brett anyway. Like Owen seems mm-hmm. like the one who would make excuses. Brett doesn't seem as much like he should be the one who's like. Uh-huh. Well, um, I took it easy on you because you're my brother and it yeah. was not for the title. So I wasn't as focused and blah, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't seem like bread at all. So that was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was fine. It didn't hurt. I was like, okay. Um, so, so, you know, go, go, go get it, buddy. Go, mm-hmm. go off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, next match, the match of the big boys. The big uh, boys. Typhoon and Diesel. Huh? Big boy. Huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, I will say Diesel in this match was actually pretty good. Um, 
as loath as I am to say nice things about Diesel at this particular juncture. (laughs) (laughs) David's still not over last week, so I'm really salty. Um, but no, it was it was a good match. Typhoon again. Typhoon, as as Elizabeth uh very uh very uh smartly pointed out uh when we had her on, uh was Typhoon for for as big a boy as he is. Uh, really surprisingly, uh, uh, athletically gifted, dexterous. Uh, he does he does some like he does some some jumpy, uh, top rope shit that I'm like, ooh, ooh, hello. No, we yeah, it's 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 a battle between you know Diesel is uh is the uh is the lean tall tall He's one. He's a here. long boy. And and uh, Typhoon's a bit of a, a bit of a, a big old fat boy. I will give Diesel this. He doesn't nearly have the same amount of finesse, but like aesthetically and lengthwise, he does almost feel like a like a precursor like Johnny Mundo. I can I can see how that aesthetically kind of looks like that because he's because Mundo is similarly very very lithe. Yeah, and he uses and 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 Diesel uses his length to his advantage. Like he does mm-hmm. the he does like the kicks, and he's able to his his like his wingspan right. Oh uh, yeah, works to his advantage of trying to of trying to like get you know sm- safer hits where he's not as much in danger of getting just yeeted by the force of nature that is Typhoon. Yeah, and amazingly, yeah, force of nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, amazingly, Shawn Michaels doesn't really get involved. He yeah, let, Shawn Michaels lets Diesel really do, restrained. He lets Diesel do his thing here. Uh, and, yeah, and Diesel does get the win. I we they the commentary questions this, and I also had the same one: is is he going to do the jackknife power bomb on a man who's four hundred pounds? The answer is no. no. He just kind of does the big boot to the face. Yeah, a couple um, of times, and that that's okay? what gets the pin. Am I correct in remembering that like Diesel even like or no not Diesel Typhoon even like does a flip at some point in this match or am I crazy? I don't remember him doing I, that. I, I I just remember him doing something where I'm like where I'm like that's surprising for for your for your size. Um, yeah, I'm not remembering it. I don't know. He does all all this to say he doesn't. He's not just a brutalist. He he mm-hmm. he does he does bring more to the table than just I hit I hit hard and like you know sit on people or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's that's what's his face's stick, um, but uh, it, it it was it was a nice enough match to watch. Again, I don't care about these characters, and it wasn't like a good enough show that like I was like, oh, I don't care that I don't know the characters. It's still fun. It, like it was fine. Um, yeah. Diesel was, you know, I was like, okay, fine, you're cool. Um, Typhoon is fun to watch because he brings more to the table than like you would think just by looking at him. Uh, honestly, I was also just really appreciating Shawn Michaels' drip. Uh, like he 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 had on like you know one of those tops that's like it's just like sleeves and a collar and just like mm-hmm. dangly shit. It was a bunch of crosses. Um, oh yeah, he he's he is he is really going wild these days. Yeah, I mean I appreciate it. It's it's he he's 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 showing off his he's, style he, and he's miss he's missing his assless chaps. These these uh, chaps true. are fully assed. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately um no uh just baby sean michaels is a wild sight to see like he just looks so young and i'm like this looks like too young for sean michaels mm-hmm. i know like he was called a heartbreak kid for a reason but like wow is that's that's a baby face if ever I, that that's a baby faced heel if ever i seen one yep he's got that he's got that nice he's got that nice face handsome face yeah he's a he, he, he looks like a sweet little boy even though he's a 
even even though he's a dick. But <laughs> yep. So yeah, Diesel gets the big win. You know, again, these matches are besides the tag team match. There was not really any question as to who was ever winning any of these, because guess what? The people who have pay per view matches on next week, they're the ones pretty who much. are going to win. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, shocker, right? Yeah, so that happens, and then the last match is another is a squash is with the Undertaker. Oh God! Yeah, we have Undertaker here. A whole lot of no, whole lot of nothing. Not even anything worth talking about. It lasts for two minutes, and it's done immediately. It did make me question again, not to beat too much of a dead horse and just constantly bitch about how dumb this storyline is, but like, what is? Ted DiBiase want with an under faker anyway, like let alone the Undertaker himself. Like I get Ted DiBiase likes buying people, but like Undertaker comes with like a whole lot of baggage that you got to deal with. And what kind of highlighted this for me was when Under Faker pins the jobber that he went up against. DiBiase's getting out the body bag, just literal like, baggage. Yeah, yeah, literal, literal and figurative gets out the body bag. You know, to for the for the jobber to be positive, and I'm like. This seems like the sort of thing that DiBiase could not be bothered to do. Why is he going to all this trouble? Like, if you really think about it, DiBiase, let alone dealing with, like, The Undertaker, who's just, like, a lot. Like, having an under-faker, it doesn't make sense. Like, you could argue, like, it's just, like, a trophy case thing for him. Like, he wants to own all the wrestlers, but real Undertaker would never bite. But, like, it just seems like if you got to keep up the act, like it's too high maintenance for someone like DiBiase to really feel like they should be invested in. Why? Like you expect me to believe the return on investment here is, uh, is, is working out. Yeah. It just makes no sense why he's gone to all this trouble anyway. And I would like to think that maybe we'll get some semblance of a fucking explanation when we do no. SummerSlam. I was about to say, I no. highly doubt that's the We're case. Not. Um, We're- Again, that would that would that would that would uh, um um imply that the writing has to be like actually intelligent. And this story after this story, we're getting out of here after SummerSlam. We're just getting rid yeah. of this whole thing. We're done. Can we just like pretend like this doesn't exist? Can we just like do that? This never happened. WWE writers just... the day after SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, they knew it was a sinking ship. Um, but they were like, uh, we got it. We got. We've committed. We we've already committed doing this match. So let's just do it and be done. We're done. Yeah, God. Um, it just none of it makes any sense. It's stupid. You can just clearly tell the under faker is is a faker. Um, mm-hmm. like every time that because here's the here's the catch twenty two they run into. They have to do close up shots of the under faker to make it feel like you're doing authentic Undertaker. But the minute you do a close up shot, even if the face is super obscured, you can tell this isn't the right guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So you, you kind of you're kind of stuck here of everyone all of a sudden being like, man, Undertaker's face got a lot rounder. Oh wait, we already revealed that it's not the real one. So why are we going to all this trouble anyway? Yeah, it. Yeah, he just doesn't look. The face was the only real problem, and unfortunately, it's a big problem because you're right. Is it like the close up shots? The close up under the Undertaker shots are, are are especially at this point in time really iconic for the Undertaker. So like you can't not do them, mm-hmm. but when the minute you do them and you look and you point the camera up at his face, you can see it's not, it's not him mm-hmm. because he, he has the hair. He's got the build ish. He's got the height, but at the end of the day, he doesn't have the face. Yeah. Uh, God, it, it's just, it's just, uh, uh, a lot. 
of mm. of really dumb and i'm really excited to be done with this because oh my lord it it really is like like again i didn't get vehemently angry like i was kind of gearing up to when you first warned me about us doing the storyline but ugh, it's just disappointing and it just feels like i'm wasting my time here because there's no forethought people uh, there's no investment and just nothing they try putting into this works like the best we get is leslie nielsen that's the best we could ever get out of something like this mm -hmm. is like this poor comedy man uh who deserves way better trying his best because he's getting paid for it and he actually does a decent job at being charming because he's leslie nielsen even in his worst work you can't help but be like ah this guy you know um so that's sure we get some cute segments out of it oh my god am i excited to only have one more fucking episode of this left Yes, uh, to wrap this one up, as I said at the beginning of the back half, we only watched 90%. So the entire night, they're hyping up that at the end of the show, the last 30 minutes, uh, it's about 17, can you consider commercials, is it is a phone call-in segment between Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon uh, in the WWF studios taking call actual calls from actual fans and it just kind of being an excuse for Jerry Lawler to riff. Yeah, uh, Austin was a merciful god this time around, and let us skip that. Yeah, uh, there's because no, there's it, it. It adds to no, it, it amounts to nothing. It's it's a whole. It's just Jerry Lawler doing his shtick and then cutting them off with this cartoonishly large red button that hangs up the phone. I look. I can only say shut up Lawler so many times in succession before I turn inside out, dissolve into a sentient black hole and scream the true name of God. Yeah. So I didn't see any point in us really talk, really watching like 15 minutes of that because that is literally all it is. And that is the entire rest of the show. Yeah. So what, what is, I don't see a point in, in bothering. There's not, there's not, I don't, there's, I don't think there's anything worthwhile there. All hail the merciful Austin. We are not worthy. Um, yeah, yeah no. that, that that is our show. That was an episode. Overall, not the worst new generation episode we've watched. But dear God, does it does it does it really lay bare? Oh, it's really it's it's ironic how relatively not bad this one was. Just really lays bare why this era sucks so hard. Because yeah. you're sitting there thinking this should work. And it just does, it should work on some level. And you, it, you just, you just can't connect with it for the most part. We had one good women's match. Leslie Nielsen bits were kind of cute. That's it. So it, it's, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's an exercise in frustration at this point of, yeah. of God, you could have done so much better with this and you just didn't. Yeah. I, I kind of agree. It feels like a microcosm of this era where you get, where there's like one or two good things a couple more things that should kind of be good, but aren't really. Mm -hmm. And then a whole lot that is not worth, that just isn't worth it. Not remotely. It's, and it's, it's sad and it's frustrating, but the nice thing is this was what just under 20 years ago. It, mm -hmm. You know, we know we have so much more on the horizon. That's so much better. It's just like, 
it's really baffling to watch this and be like, how the hell did this company not collapse under its own the weight of its own dust in the mid? It came. It came so it close. It came within a fucking hairs. But it, but it hairs survived. Width. But in the end of the day, it survived. Yeah, I know. It's amazingly, uh, uh, and and all the better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, just oh my god, we only have one left, and. Oh, uh, oh, 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 merciful schedule. Next week, we get to go back to Boyle Heights. Yeah, we do, because next time we are returning to Boyle Heights as as, uh, Lucha Underground continues. We are we are merely episodes away from it from an episode that I have been very excited to talk about. But for now. We uh, we have we only have we are continuing on our trek and uh, and in classic Lucha Underground fashion they announce absolutely nothing going in the prior episode but yes good we do know that the next episode is called Eye for an Eye oh buddy what? I know what that means yep. Uh, that's a very exciting reference. Uh, before we go, it has been brought to my attention that perhaps we should talk about where you can watch these these wrestling shows that we talk about. Oh, yeah. And going forward, I will. Uh, unfortunately, this is a bad week to do that because mm. uh, here's the thing. So WWE is a uh, current moved network uh, in America shut down. Uh, I watch this stuff via VPN, which is, can be found for cheap and sometimes free, but it's not, it's not easy to do. I, uh, they are moving their stuff to Peacock slowly. (laughs) Uh, so as of right now, unless you are comfortable using a VPN, there is no way to really find this episode Sunday night slam from August, 1994 that I could find. We, we could not find, I could not find it at all. Um, so if you are looking to watch it, um, you can probably find the Leslie Nielsen bits on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'd search for the women's match. That's probably doable. Uh, and other than that, um, you know, there is, if you use a VPN, you can go on the WWE network and find it. Uh, yep. But but going forward, I will I will remember to to bring up where you can acquire these these wrestling matches. I admit that usually that like I I we I we pay legally for our stuff here unless it literally can't be found elsewhere. So you know WWE Network is nine ninety nine a month. Uh, Peacock, if that will eventually well, this will show Sunday Night Slam will eventually be on Peacock. Uh, that is nine ninety nine a month for no commercials, I believe. I believe it's seven a month where you get limited commercials, but I don't know because it's, it's the same cost as the network to have no commercials. So I just have no commercials. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is a lot of these are kind of are hidden behind paid streaming services. Yes. As much as we would love to give you guys direct access to like our watch streams. Yes. Support, Uh, support the official release of course. But I also understand that for those of you who are not as big into wrestling, it can kind of suck to have to pay for stuff when you're just trying to discover it for the first time. You don't know if you even like it, but that is the, unfortunately the best answer I can give is that. Occasionally, there are things you can find on YouTube, but for the most part, uh. yeah, YouTube. And uh, I'll talk more about it next week as a reminder. But uh, Lucha Underground is available for free on Tubi. You just have to make an account. Nice. 
So that part, our favorite stuff, that's free. You can get, yes. you can find that where you can get that easily. It is yeah. free with commercials. But yeah, for WWE stuff, I'm mostly just going to tell you the network or Peacock, and both of those are behind paywalls. Absolutely. But yeah, David, time to hit our plugs. Yes, sir. My friends, my wonderful, dear friends, thank you once again for joining us on another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back and spending your time with us. We are delighted to have you here. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. We are honored that you decided to join us. We hope you continue to join us more in the future. If you would like to do so and you're not entirely sure how to, not to worry, my friends. I have the answer for you. One, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We are The Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Give us those likes and comments and add us to your playlist. Go through our playlist. We have all of our storylines broken down into individual playlists. Thanks to Austin for that one. Uh, So if you want to follow a specific storyline all the way through, you can do that very easily. You can also find us on three of the best places to listen to your podcast, and that would be Spotify, Apple, and Google. Follow us. Give us ratings. Um, just generally listen to us. Give us those clicks. We we oh just all, all the engagement. We 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 revel in it. Uh, you know any any amount of support you can show our show. And if you want if you want to tell the tell the algorithm that we're a nice thing to listen to by all means, we're not we ain't gonna complain. Um, so yeah, be sure to check us out on there. Uh, you can also follow us on our socials. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Noobs and Knox Pod. That's the letter or that's Noobs the letter N Knox Pod. Uh, we tweet out just random funny little memes. We engage with the uh, broader wrestling fandom community at large. Uh, we post whenever our episodes drop. And of course, Austin Live tweets wrestling uh, wherever it happens. My friend, what is the schedule for this upcoming week? Yes, uh, as usual. As usual. Every week because it's the <laughs> only one I consistently watch live. No disrespect to any other shows. I just I just don't bother watching them live, so I can't mm-hmm. live tweet it. So, uh, well, I also try to keep live tweet uh, the Impact slant, the Impact uh, WWE and AEW pay per views. Uh, oh, is to, to to keep up doing. Is that if you want to watch AEW along with moi? Yes, can, it is on at TNT's Wednesdays at eight. Usually, I admit that this week they have been preempted by NBA playoff basketball, so they are airing on Friday at 10 p.m. on TNT. Hate to see it, but what can you do? The NBA makes more money. So, so, but normally 8 p.m. Eastern on TNT is AEW Dynamite. Now, as for their pay-per-views, you can watch Double or Nothing is their upcoming pay-per-view. It is dropping the day that we drop this episode. So if you're if you're one of those first-day listeners and you're like, hmm, this pay-per-view sounds interesting, uh, go ahead and you can find it uh, where pay-per-view providers can be found as well as fight.tv. It is $50. I, I'm not going to say that you should, that you can't pirate it, but yeah. I will not tell you where to find it because I am, again, especially for pay-per-views, especially for, uh, sh- especially for pay-per-views, I'll say it like that, I am very much in the in the mold of supporting the official release yeah. but what card do we have in store mm-hmm. well we have quite a few cards we shall have 
Uh, up, sorry, I have the wrong card. Up, I have the, wow. 2020, I have, I have the 2021 up. I thought this is weird. So, on the pre-show, that one's free on YouTube, by the way. Uh, you will get Serena Deeb versus Riho for the NWA Women's Championship. It's going to be great. Serena Deeb is a technical magician, and Riho is a is extremely charismatic Japanese star. She's been wrestling since she's nine years old, guys. Dude, and Riho rules. No, nah, and she is amazingly athletic, and it's it's a very fun match. But on the main pay per view card, we have the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, who are basically a bunch of flippity doos dickheads. They fuck fuck the Young Bucks versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Oh boy, if you like, as David put like, puts it, like as he as David puts it, if you like brutalizers, holy shit, these guys hit hard. They're competing for the World Tag Team Championships in a tag team match. Then you in a tag team match. It's Sting. He is a WCW legend. He is a face paint daddy with his face paint son, Darby Allen. Not, not not to be confused with the singer, though. Yes, not not the singer. Totally different. Taking <laughs> on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Just a couple of dudes who are also dicks. <laughs> the stadium stand. Then you have the stadium stampede match. That match is going to be a wild match all over the ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars football stadium and beyond. It is the pinnacle. Real hardcore old school badasses taking on the inner circle who are kind of newer school badasses in this is they 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 they're like they're like a lot of eight like hmm the pinnacle is like stereotypical 80s wrestlers and the inner circle was like a bunch of 80s rock stars i think this might be the best way i could try to put this without getting into too much character history but if the inner circle loses they must disband as a team forever oh no for the AEW TNT Championship, you have Miro, who is a, who is literally like a game. He like he is a gamer, but at the same time, he's also a complete sociopath. <laughs> so a gamer. A hey. taking on taking on Lance Archer, who embot who is a big old boy, who in, whose catchphrase <laughs> is "Everybody dies." Oh, so, so if that tells you what he's like charmer yes then in a singles match you get the anxious millennial cowboy hangman Hangman! adam page versus brian cage there will be a rage brian cage uh he is in fact still a machine not quite a man (laughs) (laughs) he he is the beefiest boy who can also do all the flippity dudes he chunk he real chunk yes <laughs> you get we have the casino battle royale where the winner it's a battle royal match where the winner will be we get a shot at the aew world championship more on that in a minute we'll not explain all the names it's too i don't have that kind of time yeah then uh this match <sighs> cody rhodes versus anthony agogo <laughs> this story could have been about how uh, Anthony Agogo's mentor betrayed Cody and stole a bunch of his students, but they turned it into America good, anti-America bad. Yuck. Uh, damn it, Cody. I liked you so much. Well, look, look what you did. Yeah. Then for the AEW Women's Championship, you have Hikaru Shida 
who is just a straight badass. I don't have any other way to describe it. Against Dr. Britt Baker, D.M.D. She's a doctor. She is a legitimate dentist. She's earned her doctorate. Respect the title. <laughs> Respect the title, boys. Respect it. And then in the main, in the in the big match for the AEW World Title, a three-way match between Kenny Omega, the Belt Collector, who has won the AEW title, the AAA title, and the Impact World Championship, and has completely gone insane by his own ego, <laughs> has completely driven him nuts, taking on Orange Cassidy, the world's laziest wrestler and the best wrestler. True. And again, and and Pac, who is the bastard, who is kind of like, what if you took Brian Cage, shrunk him down a little bit, <laughs> but made him and made him a little more flippy, but just as strong and jacked. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It is so running down. It is our last. I was wondering, I wanted to run down the full double or nothing card and explain all the matches, that. considering it's our last show before that one. But yeah, that is what we have uh, upcoming on Twitter. Outstanding. Uh, you can also email us. Uh, we are uh, noobs and knockouts podcast at gmail.com. The word and this time, uh, say hi to us, give us recommendations, give us. Give us uh, uh, suggestions for the show, whatever, whatever you like. Tell us how beautiful, sexy, wonderful our voices are, and how and how they lull you to sleep every single night with their with their dulcet tones, um, all that good stuff. We just love hearing from people. Um, we always enjoy people reaching out to say hi, and we love to say hi back. Uh, and mm -hmm. finally, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Yep. Uh, see you guys next time. Hasta luego.